Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. I'm ready to share all the details of next-gen progression bars, so I hope you're ready. Oh, oh, I'm ready. This is the only story I care about this week, (laughs) is what is it like playing on the next-gen? Ryan, take it away. It's really weird that... um, we are so now now the show is fully is fully capable of covering the next generation when there are games of course uh to to cover (laughs) because you have the xbox series x and i have the playstation 5 um and it's it's weird it's a weird console launch i i think we were were talking about pre-show in that i think when both systems launched both were really missing what what most what we're used to which is a a launch lineup and um there there really wasn't the thing is it's right at the end of 2020 right and i mean like uh, we were gonna touch on it in the news but we might as well touch on it right now is that anthem next is no more we saw blizzcon from last week where there wasn't as much as a normal blizzcon would have had and it really has a feeling like we're getting to the point where Everything that was kind of behind closed doors, close to ready to coming out and everything else pre-pandemic has now been released, like had its final polish put on and and has been released. And there's so many things that are getting delayed or canceled right now. And I think that the lack of launch titles, it it has a lot to do with that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, like options in terms of launch titles, like there are obviously launch games on the PlayStation 5 that you could enjoy, but most um, most were either I, I would consider Demon Souls remake pretty niche. You know, it's not for everyone. It's it's not a mass market launch title. Well, and even then, I mean, if you're talking about like remakes and remasters as your launch titles, like that's not what we're used to. No. Normally, it's like, hey. Here's our big tentpole series. We're going to do at least one of them on launch to try to, you know, sucker everybody in like the Halos and the, well. We almost had Halo. I thought it was going to be the Horizons of the World, (laughs) but. (laughs) Not for launch. You know. (laughs) Not even launch window. It's, uh, it's interesting. But, you know, now that I, and that's kind of originally why I was like, I'm not too worried about having one of these at launch. Um, but then once I realized how hard it was to try to get one and, you know, just wanting that, that new technology and wanting the, wanting to be able to at least taste a part of the next generation. This is truly the next generation of console games because really it is, it it is a different experience. It's, it's faster. Obviously the graphics have been bumped up, but I think this, just the, the sheer speed, and I know you talked about this with the Series X and it's, it is across the board. One of the biggest features is that everything's snappy. Everything's quick. You can have multiple things open at once. Um, you know, I was thinking as I was going through the PlayStation 5 and kind of experiencing the new OS that they've built and the new user interface. I think that's one of the really cool things about consoles is that the operating system and the UI is built for gaming. Unlike a PC where it's like it's based on the apps or it's based on you know you've got an app for your communications which is discord you've got an app for steam you've got an app, you have all these launchers and then you got a word processor running in the background like it's just it's <laughs> it's a, why wouldn't you of course you know you got to keep notes it's like 
the PC side of things, it's like it's a tool that you've you've kind of got to it's run like games. It's like a multi-tool, like a, exactly. like a Swiss Army knife. Exact perfect example. It's a it's a it's a multi-tool. But with the consoles, like it's there to do one thing and maybe run Netflix when you want it to. <laughs> uh, and and I, I really appreciate that experience. That's why I've always been a console gamer, is because I can hit that X A whatever button loads the game and i'm playing it and it's it's a great time so i'll i'll always i'm really glad i've i've gotten into the playstation 5 and i have one now because i really missed that i've been playing a lot of pc games lately i i played a bunch of assassin's creed and and immortals with the ubisoft plus subscription and i just miss i just miss the consoles and you know that new controller for the playstation 5 is is certainly wild i think when you look at the next generation you know, I know the Xbox kind of, I don't know if they have the adaptive triggers that the um, PlayStation 5 has. They have something similar. I don't know if it's uh, like exactly the same because I'm sure they're proprietary, whatever, but the same idea. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of like uh, there is tension in, in the triggers in the R2 and L2 where if you are, depending on the game, obviously Astro's Playroom is is the example that that sort of tests all the features within the console and uh and the controller where if you are i think one of them there's like a little claw machine game and when you go to pull the the lever you feel that tension and you actually actually have to really put some effort into pulling that that trigger so that it it actually comes down and then you have to like crush the capsule that you get in your other hand which again is is also utilizing the adaptive triggers and it's really interesting that with what they've what they've done there where they finally ditched the DualShock design and actually made like a new PlayStation controller um <laughs> and it it's it's a really it, it's much the controller is much bigger than what you're used to with the PlayStation uh PlayStation controllers Yay! <laughs> so you'll like that um, what you and many people might not like is how god awful big the PlayStation Five is, and most of this stuff is like, oh, we've heard this all before. Like this is all sort of first week sort of impressions, which is very true. But just listen to these these words, isn't that? Yes, people have been saying this thing is huge since it came out, since it was revealed how big it was next to a fully grown man doing a, a teardown <laughs> on YouTube. It is bigger than that. Like when you get it out of the box, you're going to, it's big, you know? And <laughs> I think it has the uh, added disadvantage, I guess, of also being a white console mm. as opposed to a black console, because I know like my, my Xbox is big as well. And it's not designed to be as like flat and flush as the previous one. Like it's literally this like giant cube thing. Uh, but I don't even notice it there because like my entertainment system is black, like it's on the second or third shelf down. So it's like in a shadow as well. And it just blends right in the most like annoying slash visually distracting thing that I have is the charger for my controller, which has a light on the front that tells me like if it's green, it's charged. If it's red, it's not like Mm-hmm. that LED is the most distracting thing about my Xbox. Everything else just blends into the background. But when you've got, a like, I'm assuming black TV and a dark, if not black, entertainment stand, and then you throw a giant white PlayStation 5 on it, that thing's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, so I've, I've got it uh, obviously laying horizontal 
due to the fact that I have small children running around and I just do not trust that thing <laughs> vertically. Because uh, it's tall and thin too, right? It kind of comes, yeah. it, it has like these waves to it and sort of an inner sort of curvature to it. And it kind of has these fins. And it's just, you know, when the kids walk, you know, uh, uh, heavily in the in the living room, the TV kind of like sways, you know? And uh, and I'm just thinking, no way am I putting anything vertical. Plus, you've also got one that's going to be like learning to walk soon, if not already. And just the idea of like grabbing onto the edge of surfaces and then knocking over a console as big as she is like. Yeah, I mean, Ashley and I have (laughs) this understanding with the kids where it's like there's a TV downstairs. The downstairs room is for you guys like there's. They, I don't know how they did it, but there's like some sort of gummy smudge on the TV down there. There's <laughs> fingerprints all over the bottom layer of it. It's like, just, uh, grab the remote, press play, look for Paw Patrol. You're fine. You know, I don't understand. It's not a touchscreen. Um, you, you know, if you want more gummies, you just ask for gummies or or whatever. You don't have to throw them at your. T- it's like it's like they're in a movie. It's like they're teenagers and they're in a movie theater. Let's bite the heads off these things and. <laughs> throw them at so they're not allowed get them to stick (laughs) yeah they're not allowed in the in the living (laughs) and what is the entertainment area that's more like the gaming slash slash watching tv you know for adults type thing it's not i don't let the kids (laughs) in there only yeah exactly no kids allowed unless supervised like you know i'll bring the kids will obviously come in and we'll play games and and we've been playing you know uh astro's playroom together and the new mario and stuff so we've been having we obviously still play video games in that area. It's just, it has to be supervised. You just sit your butt on the couch. You know, it's not, it's not a, a playroom. It's more like an entertainment area. And when they get older, of course, like, you know, they'll be fine to go in there by themselves. But if they break anything, oh, ow. And, you know, they'll be in trouble. <laughs> that timing couldn't have been better. If they break anything, whap. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. That was just my elbow hitting the desk. It probably sounded like I broke something, but uh, it did not. It's just the Yeti picking up everything. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really... So I got the PlayStation 5 on Sunday. Uh, of course, the first thing, as I said, I realized how big it was. So I had to kind of rearrange everything. I don't really have an entertainment center. I have more of a sort of a... It's like a dresser, I think. It's just this long, yeah. old-fashioned dresser. And it works really well because it provides plenty of sort of hidden storage for controllers hidden storage, and games, yeah, yeah. But not consoles, you know, obviously because they require ventilation and you can't really put them in. I don't even think they'd fit in the drawers. The drawers are so kind of tiny. But um, I actually had to take the PlayStation 5 and set it horizontal. It requires a stand to be uh, put down horizontally because, again, the thing is... The not fancy rec- fins. <laughs> yeah, it's not a rectangle. So I learned that pretty quick. It's like, oh, this thing is not. This has to go on the stand, and the stand when you put it horizontal, it kind of just kind of like you, you. It sits. The PlayStation Five kind of sits into it. It's not screwed on. It's not really. Sec- it feels right. like it's not secured. Again, when you spend this amount of money on a new console, you're kind of like, I want the want the thing to be secure. You want to protect your tech. Yeah, I don't. I keep like the first day. I kept having these like daydreams of of the thing sliding off the stand and then falling to the floor and i'm just like i have to watch i have to check in on this thing like every 30 minutes now i'm fine you know i can i could leave it for at least a day without having to really have that <laughs> thought process go through my head but it's um so once i got it all set up uh the transfer was really simple uh so if you have a ps4 
obviously the ps5 is all backwards compatible and i did a this is what i would recommend is like if you have an unlimited data cap i wouldn't worry about transferring your games because that takes forever i tested it with transferring saves which it did over wi-fi and it worked really great transferred all six gigabytes just to have them preserved on the ps5 if i ever wanted to play i don't know uncharted 4 or something which i could technically do on the ps5 and it would run within sort of the the same environment and it has all those saves there they're all backed up to the cloud anyways but to have them locally is it's just easier than having to manually download them off the cloud and playstation plus will actually delete your saves in the cloud uh, if you have your subscription lapse for more than six months Mm. so it's important to make sure those things are kept local as well uh so i did that and i transferred one game the transfer of saves took about like an hour it wasn't too bad um but the transfer of a game which can be done in the background uh when you're playing other things it took all afternoon to to do a 40 gigabyte game i was gonna say six gigs took you an hour yeah well, you know, you got you're dealing with uh, the PS4 Pro, which even the PS4 launch, its Wi-Fi card is not, it's mm, not like state of the art. You know, I you can you can do it manually via USB. You can do it uh, a more direct connection with an Ethernet cord. It's probably what I should have opted for if I wanted to do more more games. So if you are looking to transfer games as well as your saves and just get it all done in one fell swoop, you're better off using an Ethernet cord. But to be honest, like you don't want to bulk down that PS5 hard drive because it's only 600 gigabytes of space. Yeah, uh, that's true. There's not a lot there. And um, uh, you can do external storage. So that's what I'm working on now. I, I did a bunch of swapping with the PS4 Pro. I, I took the, the drive that I put in there, which was two terabytes. I backed it up, swapped it out, put the, uh, put the original PS4 Pro hard drive back in. And then now I'm just in the process of uh, of putting some PS4 games on the external storage, which will then go over to the PS5, and then I can I can retire the PS4 Pro once everything's over there. But it's um it's been it's just been a you know it's a bunch of progress bars. But I have been playing games and I have been kind of testing sort of some of the features of moving between the PS from the PS4 to the PS5, uh, specifically with like Miles Morales in the fact that. It was a game that launched cross generation. I was going to say, because you played Miles Morales on the PS4, right? So was it noticeably different on the PS5? Uh, you know, here's the thing. I, I think so, but I don't know. <laughs> so then not noticeably different then. Because <laughs> if it was noticeable, you would know. <laughs> it's one of those things where you know it's different. And if you were to watch them side by side, there would be there would be a, a clear difference. Um, I played for a little bit with the I think that I think the issue in, in why I didn't notice it being too different was because I was playing the 30 frames per second sort of fidelity mode, which which is the same frame rate as the PS4 version. And um, and it, it so the frame rate's the same, but it just it's a higher resolution it has ray tracing and again, like I think I need to look up like what good ray tracing looks like because I'm I'm playing this game <laughs> and I'm like, I I still people keep being wowed by ray tracing and it hasn't happened to me yet and I'm I'm still waiting for that game. I think I'm gonna try to play Control 
uh, Ultimate Edition, which was part of the PS Plus offering last month. Mm. It's supposed to have ray tracing. Um, <laughs> I know it's I in think there. It's just like, I mean, if you're, are you looking for like lasers? No, no. no. It doesn't look like that, Ryan. There's not just going to be random rays going all through your games, like lasers bouncing off of stuff. It just makes things look a little better (laughs) because the light behaves differently (laughs) and that's the thing it makes things look a little bit better and i think it's it's for the most part it's it's monumental uh jumps in terms of the fidelity of the graphics and i know it looks like i said i know it looks better and i'm happy to play through new game plus and miles morales to kind of complete that sort of trophy run um and when i so the way it worked was originally I, I don't know why, but it like installed the PS4 version of Miles Morales on the PS5. I, I downloaded it off the store. I might have clicked on the wrong version, but then it also downloaded the PS5 version. So both games are on the system, the PS4 and PS5, because in order to get the PS5 version to bring the save over, it doesn't it doesn't pull the PS4 save you have to go, even though the save is on the same system, you have to boot into the PS4 version. It'll tell you, hey, if you want the PS5 enhancements, you got to play the PS5 version. And it's like, I know that. I'm trying to get my save. You actually have to go into the PS4 version, upload the PS, the, the save to the cloud, quote unquote. And um, <laughs> because it's different, because all of your PS Plus yeah. stuff is in the cloud as well. It's a different, it's an insomniac cloud, I guess. and. And then once it's in the, in the, it's up there, you know, or whatever. <laughs> you know that the cloud isn't like physically above no, I know. you, right? I know. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, just checking. <laughs> just making sure everyone understands it's, it's somewhere else. It's, it's, right. it's gone insomniac. I, it's not like doing it on, it, I don't know. But anyways, you, and then you close, you, you, you minimize PS4 version of Miles Morales. You bring up PS5 Miles Morales and you import the save and it imports it, and then a bunch of trophies go off, so it it sort of synced all that, so it's separate, the PS4 and PS5 version. It gave me all the trophies again, which took a while to, to go through, and every time you get a trophy, it, it captures like a 15-second video clip. So, of course, <laughs> I have like now 500 megabytes of Miles Morales launch screen, which is like these trophies coming coming online and um but well, you event- wouldn't want to miss a moment ryan <laughs> no and i mean i really appreciate uh like i re- really appreciate the fact that it does that and because for most for the most part when you get a trophy it's a milestone you did something cool to get it or you completed something um in this case it was just sinking the trophy so obviously i wasn't it wasn't doing anything interesting um so it's just the home screen uh but i i managed to get it you know transferred over I started a new game plus and all my stuff was there and it worked quite, it worked well. And then I jumped in and I, I didn't really get a chance to play around with the different graphical sort of settings. Cause there's a couple of them. They have like a fidelity mode, which is the 4k 30 frames ray tracing. And then they do have like a 60 frames per second ray tracing mode, but it, it brings down the resolution. And I think then there is like a, there's a performance mode, like a 60 frames per second. I think that's the one I want to try to kind of sort of experience that game in a higher frame rate. Cause I think that's the, that's the big sell of these consoles is like, we're going to push 60 frames per second to you. We might not hit 4k. We might get like, maybe we might get close between 1080 P and 4k, but we're going to give you 60 frames solid. 
And I think that's the biggest draw. I feel like frame rate is the first thing that I kind of notice, right? Mm -hmm. Like all these textures and all of these like more polygons and, you know, different rays that they're tracing now of light. Like the thing that my eye picks up on quicker is or like what I think makes a game look better is when you can hit that 60 frames like it doesn't even have to be in 4k like 60 frames 1080 looks awesome to me so I mean yeah. maybe it's a personal preference thing but for me it's like uh, uh, movements and things just look smoother when you've got 60 instead of 30 right yeah and I've noticed um it really depends on how the game it does its resolution scaling like insomniac's engine that they've crafted for miles morales and spider-man in general really does a lot with the resolution scaling um there's a great i think i met i referenced this back when i talked about miles morales originally ign did a really cool sort of digital foundry-esque here's how, what the tech engine's doing between all all of the versions because there's like three versions of miles morales you got the launch ps4 ps4 pro and then the ps5 and they do a lot with resolution scaling. And I think if it's done well, you don't notice it. But I have noticed in um, on, on the PC, actually, with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, in, they do have a uh, sort of a, an adaptive performance mode to hit 60 frames that you can set. And I have noticed sort of... And and again, it's mo it's my computer. It's not anything to do with the game, but it's the hardware it's running on. It's like a tr to keep 60 frames or even 45 frames per second, it's having to bring down that resolution really low during an intensive scene. And you do notice that. Although with the consoles, they, they're able to tune it to the hardware so that it's not a drastic dip. It's, it's sort of smoothed out. So you don't, you don't really notice it unless you're like up there with a mind, you're really paying attention to the pixels. But um, <laughs> I am looking forward to kind of diving in uh, uh, again with Miles Morales. I don't know if I'll be able to like finish it again, but uh, they have all the they they utilize all the dual sense stuff like they probably have, you know, all the podcast stuff that plays when you're swinging around coming through the controller. They do that again with uh, with the controller. There's a speaker on it and doesn't sound as bad <laughs> as the, the PS4 <laughs> one. It sounded so bad on the PS4. It was terrible. <laughs> you know what? Um, I, we can really blame Nintendo for a lot of these weird gimmicks because I don't know if you remember, like on the Wii mode, it had that speaker, and it was like, it was like a children's toy. It sounded like a really, you know, crisp speaker that would just sounded like it had been left to rust for too long. Like, <laughs> I remember, in you know, speaking of Skyward Sword from last episode, you'd pick up a rupee and it'd just be like, you know, it's yeah. oh yeah, we did it, fifty rupees. It's really bad, and it's really clear on the PS5 to the point where. When utilized properly, I, I would I could probably keep it on. Um, you know, Astro's, Astro's Playroom does a lot with it, but with Miles Morales, when you're swinging around, it uses the tension when you're when you're sort of swinging. Um, but it 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 feels it still feels pretty gimmicky with Miles Morales. Like I I feel like they didn't it it wasn't I maybe need to play it more, but it just feels like oh we have to utilize these these things it's like uncharted one when they had the six axis and you had to like balance yourself as opposed to just using the control stick they made you like move across and also balance with the with the motion control feels like mm. one of those things that you do with a launch game and then never touch again so hopefully spider-man 2 like 
is able to really look at those adaptive triggers and do something really interesting and and something that feels more more akin to to Astro's playroom that really really plays with all the controllers features um which was the other game that I played quite a bit of which is the pack-in game that came with it and uh so that was actually like worth your time or were you just curious to see like everything that was new with the controller uh no Astro's playroom is is fantastic it's it's one of those things where uh, you always want to see a company try to outdo Nintendo and they never quite do it this is one of those instances where PlayStation has kind of like taken that launch, you know, pack-in game and and made it their own and really kind of showed Nintendo like, no, you can still do this. You can put something on the console or in the box that is that is would otherwise be like this too expensive experience, but the fact that it's a pack-in, it's 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 well worth checking out even if it is a, a smaller. It's more of a full-size sort of demo game i'd say it's probably like a like, a, <laughs> like it, it's you could see it selling for 40 dollars. you could see them trying to sell it for 40 bucks like canadian like half price um because it's not quite as big but it is it is a lot of fun it's preloaded on every ps5 so you have no excuse in terms of checking it out once you do get the ps5 all set up but it it really does utilize every feature of the controller it even has you you know blowing on the on the microphone which is because <laughs> you know it hasn't been long enough since we had to do that in a game <laughs> and again we can blame nintendo for all of this stuff the motion control being you know wildly used in uh in in like playstation games like uh at least like what 10 15 years later it's halfway decent almost kind of <laughs> yeah no the motion control works quite well when used no sparingly i think <laughs> no it, it just it, you don't want to you don't want to depend on it i, I never want to use it i'm just saying it works like i'm it was broken before jocelyn i'm willing to admit that but now at least it's functional and uh but still blowing on the microphone just feels like i'm gonna just cake my Hilarious. controller in something that i well yeah and i mean the the current state of mind and the state of the world that we are in <laughs> doesn't make <laughs> randomly blowing on surfaces feel like a thing we should be doing <laughs> no and, and that's the thing i i like i mentioned i've been playing with <laughs> playing with the kids and whenever <laughs> whenever the microphone thing comes up i'm like all right Caden, it's your turn. And they just, they don't, they just like, it's like when a kid b tries to blow out a candle. Like, they have no control. Yeah. They just go, I'm not even going to do it because it'll just come over really bad over the audio. But it's just, you're not even like consistently doing, the game's not even recognizing it. everything yeah. everywhere. It's like you're yell breathing. It doesn't make any sense. And the game is like no we want a consistent you know you're gonna faint because you're you're losing all your oxygen and uh, <laughs> eventually i just had like i'm sorry you guys have failed at at this mini game i'm just gonna blow on the microphone <laughs> and get us through this and it's again sparingly but it's like it, you would never do that uh <laughs> you'd never ever do that it, it, outside of a launch title like let's blow on this this microphone <laughs> I think like the only usage of blowing on the microphone that was actually fun was the, I don't know if you played any of the WarriorWare games um, where they they'd make you do like silly things in these like little micro games. They each lasted like five seconds 
And there were a lot of those. Not a lot. There were a couple of them that would pop. I was like, you know. Is there a Mario Party that had a blow one? Maybe. Yeah, there was a microphone Mario Party game on the GameCube. And there probably was like one where you had to blow into the microphone. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a small part of Astrid's Playroom. I just it it kind of I it it just kind of stuck with me. But uh, that that whole presentation is really a huge throwback to everything PlayStation. You're finding all these collectibles that are like high resolution versions of old PlayStation artifacts from like the multi tap for the PS One to the PSP. You know all those artifacts that just collected dust and no one ever really used. Um, and it's super cool <laughs> going through and seeing all that stuff because I'm, I jumped into PlayStation with the PS3 and pretty late in the generation. So a lot of that stuff was, was new or foreign to me because I had friends mm. who had PlayStation stuff and I'd see like the original PS2 and, um, the network adapter and the PSPs and the Vitas were always, you know complete i never had any of them i don't think i knew anyone who had them um but uh that it's kind of cool to see that sony still acknowledges those things and it's it's a really neat presentation it's a part of our heritage yeah it's definitely a playstation (laughs) minute for sure and uh it's a lot of fun honestly like i think if you're looking if you're thinking of buying a ps5 uh it's really cool that there is this experience that fully utilizes um everything within the controller that controller is truly next generation and i'm not saying you need every controller to have all these bells and whistles to justify like the hundred dollar price tag of those of of a new controller but i think that the playstation really has delivered you know a really cool next generation controller that will that will continue to be uh, probably, you know, continue to use all those features going forward. And it just feels like a much, like I have a PS4 controller in front of me right now. And, and, and the difference between the two, it's just, I, I feel like, I feel like it's a better design. It's, it's just bigger. It's more Xbox controller slash switch pro. So when you have it in your hands, it, it feels like those controllers. So it's going to fit really well with, you know, the Xbox series X and, and the switch pro controller mm-hmm. when you're moving back and forth, you still have to deal with symbols as opposed to A's and B's and and all that fun stuff. But I'm really I'm really enjoying, you know, my time with this system. I haven't had a lot of time with it. Um I kinda wanna jump around into some PS4 enhanced games and, and I I do want I'm waiting for a sale on Valhalla. I wanna I wanna jump back into that on the PS five. But mm. uh Yeah, it would probably look really good on the PS five. Yeah. I I it's been a long time since I've really dove into an assassin's creed game and i think the issue is i keep trying to play it on platforms that i'm not really keen to 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 be around long term to spend a whole lot yeah yeah i mean it's the kind of thing that i think makes a really good couch game right Mm -hmm. like you just want to sit down and and kind of be relaxed and comfortable and and take your time exploring a world right like i get tired sitting in front of my pc all day so i imagine you're you're the same but uh i'm glad you got it i'm glad that you're enjoying it and it sounds like uh you're you're all set for when there's actually some games and we should talk about what's actually coming out and what uh playstation actually announced in their state of play last week but before we do that 
Uh, let's take a moment to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash the gamers in. We are currently looking for our next featured patron. So if you would like to be thanked live or well, not live, but recorded on the gamers in. Why would we say that? Yeah, right. <laughs> Do go and check out patreon.com slash the gamers in. That brings us to the news. And, and let's talk since we're on a PlayStation kick. Let's jump right into the state of play from PlayStation last week. So um, I obviously gave no shits about this because they didn't talk about Horizon. So, OK, that's everything from the state of play. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But they didn't talk about Horizon. They didn't talk about God of War 2, um, both which were pretty disappointing because I think um, God of War fans are probably in the same boat as me as a Horizon fan in that, like, the projects have been announced, but it's like, that's about it. <laughs> you know, got a little bit of teaser here and there, but but nothing really um, concrete, including a release date. So um, they, they didn't even come out and say it's been delayed, which was kind of the bare minimum, I think, that we were expecting. I think a lot of people thought that they were going to come out and say, like, here's some more info about Horizon, give us a little bit more... Uh, like a gameplay or whatever, and then say, but by the way, it's not coming till 2022. But they didn't even say that. They didn't even mention it. It just was not on the radar for this state of play. And I was disappointed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there wasn't a lot of long range sort of products within the state of play. And I think that, that was might the... be a good idea. Honestly, I mm. mean, we've got the release date for is it Kenna? Kenna, yeah. Kenna, Kenna. So, yeah, <laughs> we got a release date for that, which <laughs> you covered both your bases. <laughs> so good, right? <laughs> it looks so good. It looks so adorable. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely going to buy it. And I'm definitely going to play it um, because I just I think it looks so cute. I'm not even 100 percent sure what the, the what it's going to be. And I don't even care because. It just it gives me like Ori vibes, right? In terms of the of just like the colors and the forest and the kind of environments and everything else. Like it just it looks like a really cool game. But I think that was the furthest out um release date, wasn't it? it was the at the end of August? Was there anything they talked about that's coming out later than that? Um No, I, I think it I think that was the latest August. Uh there was some there was some due, you know, coming out in twenty twenty one or or whatever. But I think for the most part a lot of these games were targeting the next six months, you know, into with August yeah. being being the latest. And I think when you I, I think the reason, you know, Kenna looks so interesting is is it it feels next gen even though there is a PS4 version that will be coming uh, alongside launch. It just, it looks just so, it looks like a Pixar game, you know, like Pixar yeah, made a game. It definitely does. Yeah. And the company behind it, I'll give credit where it's due in our, in our discord, but whirlwind had noted the connection. I had seen this on their website, the developers, their website. Um, the last project they did was a, was a Zelda fan film uh, based around the skull kid from Majora's mask. And it oh, okay. really, it really is something you should definitely check it out. And you, you might have seen it as being a big Zelda fan. It probably has come across your your computer screen. But um, it's kind of crazy to see them go from making a fan film to putting together this game. But it totally makes sense when you look at the fidelity of the graphics and, and the way they've designed mm -hmm. these characters. And dare I, I may say, like, maybe Kenna will be like a good Zelda, like go back to the old schools. It has that feel in the gameplay of like a more of a traditional 3d action platformer zelda type experience 
I might be reading into what we've seen of it, but it it does look just it just the animations and the characters it looks so cool but august feels august i august feels a ways away to me so i'm i'm happy to wait for it though i i think it was originally supposed to be a little sooner but yeah like i was saying earlier with delays and cancellations and stuff it very much feels like um everyone's playing release dates a little bit close to the chest until Basically, it's ready to go. So I think this is probably going to be a trend that we're going to see continue through 2021, possibly even into early to mid 2022 as people kind of play catch up a little bit, hopefully not involving too much crunch, but um, kind of as we move out of this pandemic and back to some kind of normalcy, I think we are going to start to see people commit to release dates a little bit more. But I think we're still a good year out from from that sort of normal but um yeah so august 24th is something to look forward to for Kenno. is there anything else from state of play that really caught your eye uh, a couple of the other big ones um you know returnal got some more gameplay i still think that game looks cool but maybe not 90 dollars yeah, cool yeah it looks kind of neat but i'm kind of meh it looks at the like... same time which is the same as death loop actually because that was another one that was featured that i kind of like I'm not a huge first person shooter person anyways, but I looked at Deathloop and I was like, the concept is really cool, but I just don't think this is my kind of gameplay. So mm. I I got those those kind of feelings a lot during this uh, state of play. Yeah, no, I, I, I felt that as well. I think when when I look at Returnal, it really feels like one of those launch sort of next gen experiences where they're trying to do a lot. But it, it'll it be, I don't know this for certain, but it just feels like it could be a shallow experience in terms of what we would expect from a fully fleshed out AAA product. But again, I don't know anything. I don't know anything but the trailers that they've showed us. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sort of like a uh, more narrative based um, repeating loop sort of roguelike where you're constantly getting stronger and the world is constantly changing. So that one I'm going to wait for reviews because I just... Yeah, it it is it is going to be uh, one of those, you know, higher priced video games, like 90 bucks, and then it ends up being like 100 yeah. or so with taxes. Um, the other big one with, where they closed the show out with was the Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, which is the free upgrade for PS5 um, of the Final Fantasy VII Remake. So if you own it on PS4... You can upgrade for free to this version, but then you can also, if you buy Remake Intergrade for uh, the PS5, you can play a new chapter featuring some characters that I don't know anything about, but they are popular. <laughs> I uh, Crofton from my other podcast was telling me he's a, this, these characters are relevant. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so are these like this this new extra chapter? If you've already gone over it with Croft and who knows what he's talking about, maybe we can get <laughs> some like pseudo um, expert advice or whatever. Um, but so the extra chapter you get to play is that like more content? Because Final Fantasy VII Remake was only part of the story, right? So is this extra chapter like extra extra or is it like, hey, this is bridging the gap between where we finished in this remake and taking us into Final Fantasy 7 Remake 2? <laughs> I 
I don't know if they presented that information, um, but essentially what we're getting is a side chapter featuring these characters, and it might sort of intertwine or be related to the events of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, these characters are... My understanding is that they are sort of in Midgar and affecting Midgar, which is the main sort of location right. of, of the remake. And... Uh, but their objective is different. Their objective, what they're trying to do, Yuffie, who is this ninja, she is trying to go in and steal this magicka, I guess, which could is related to Midgar and related to the things that I think the the characters in Remake are doing. But they're it's separate. So it is a side okay. chapter in your and the characters. Um, I guess Yuffie and the other guy you're running around with. And I don't I don't know what his name is. Um, uh, you might. I, I don't even know any of these characters. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyways, they're they are smaller characters. It, you know, they have smaller parts in the original Final Fantasy seven. So the fact that they're bringing them and giving them their own side chapter is kind of fitting with what they were featured in with the uh, with the original. Um, okay, fair enough. Whether this is, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake's been rumored to come to the Xbox and the PC at some point this year. Whether this is the... I kind of fully expected a press release to come out after the state of play saying like, hey, and Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate will be available on Xbox Series X. Mm. But we didn't get that. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this. I don't know when we're getting the second part. Uh, but this launches on June 10th, so you'll be able to get the free upgrade, or you can buy the PS5 version, which is full priced. They have not announced how much it'll cost to buy like the the extra chapters that that is launching with the next gen version. So if you have the PS4 version, you can just buy the side chapter separately as DLC. Okay. Um, which is probably what I will do because I I did enjoy that game, but uh, the upgrade looks substantial. Like they really. They really went in and added more graphics, which was one of their taglines <laughs> in the video, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it it's uh it's not the news I was looking for either. I wanted um I wanted confirmation uh of of my purchase, you know, Horizon God of War two, like just a mention. Like if you're gonna tease mm. them last summer, I feel like you can tease them again. Well, that's the thing, right? Is I is that I thought that where they were kind of teased slash announced last summer, I thought that we would get um, some more at this point in time, especially with Horizon saying it was coming out in 2021. I don't think anyone really and truly expected it. Like my hope beyond hope was that it was going to launch in the same time frame as the original did in that it would be launching kind of now-ish. Um, but that was more just like me being a super ultra mega fan and not being realistic in any way, shape or form. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just because we, um, they told us it was coming this year. It's now, you know, two months in, we're just starting up March very much thinking like, Hey, okay, we're a quarter of the way through the year. Where's my horizon? Like, yeah, I think there were a lot of us on the same page, but um, that wasn't the only announcement that we got last week. We also had uh, Pokemon Presents on Friday. So what was this all about, Ryan? Because I'll admit I did not watch this. And <laughs> Pokemon, like I've had a very superficial interest in the last one that came out on the Switch which I can't even remember what it was called. It was Sword and Shield. I think Sword and Shield. Oh my god, yeah, it was Sword and Shield. So anyways, that's the only one that I've ever played to like 
completion of the main story, gotten my legendary Pokemons and, you know, gone and tried to actually collect them all. Like this is as far as I've ever gotten in a Pokemon game was that switch titles. So my interest in Pokemon is very superficial. What did they have that might be of interest to me? <laughs> um, okay. Well, Probably uh, nothing. <laughs> uh, no, there was surprisingly, um, some big, big announcements that, that I think, uh, kind of shakes up how Pokemon's really been doing things lately. Um, you know, Pokemon, new Pokemon Snap we already knew of, and and that is uh, going to be a, a 90 or an $80 sort of uh, Safari right. photo thing. And again, it's one of those experiences that I'm happy to, you know, sit back and enjoy on That's Twitter. That's one of those things that I would really enjoy if it mm -hmm. didn't have like a, a full game price on it, right? Because I don't know. Again, like I'm just riding around and taking pictures is not um full price worthy for me no like, I, it I wouldn't agree. keep my attention long enough but I, it's maybe not made for me I was, well definitely not made for me but <laughs> yeah how do we get justin to spend 90 or 80 dollars on a on a photo thing and i and i think like, yeah, don't <laughs> that's fair i think that's fair yeah. i think you and i are on the same page here where there are people who are going to want to play this and it to its credit the game looks like it's going to have substantially more structure and content than the original pokemon snap did and um i think that's great it looks like they've added more features as opposed to just the original was kind of like you're on rails you're looking around things are happening you snap a photo i think you could yeah interact a little it, bit pokemon but... pokemon snap i think was the i had it on the nintendo 64 i believe mm -hmm. that's right and uh yeah and we had actually bought a used nintendo 64 a few years after it came out and pokemon snap was just one of the games that came with it sort of thing and I remember like putting it in and starting to play it. And I'm like, I do not understand what the point of this game is. And that was like, I would have been, you know, like around maybe like 10, 11 years old, like prime Pokemon age. <laughs> and I was and and I grew up on the TV show, right, too. So I was just like, I I can't get into this. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> so, yeah, if I couldn't get into it at that time, I, there, I don't think I'm going to get into this now. <laughs> well, what if you could throw uh, luminescent shards and, and make Pokemon glow? Like, you're basically radiating them. How does that sound? Probably, Not like worth you call $90. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, they also announced a Diamond and Pearl remake for the Nintendo Switch. And it, it you know, a lot of people were assuming that they would kind of use the Pokemon Let's Go uh sort of set up to kind of do these remakes for the switch and i think they've kind of taken that engine and they've smashed it together with pokemon sword and shield where it's not quite let's go and it's not quite pokemon sword and shield it's kind of a mixture of the two and i never played diamond and i, I think i bought diamond and pearl you know, there's a weird thing with me and Pokemon where I think early on I was way into it. I would buy, you know, every variation, um, every generation and, and play them to death. And then I think Diamond and Pearl was sort of the first, like, buy it, play 10 hours and then sort of go on to the next thing. Uh, so these remakes are interesting. They'll be out in, in late 2021. They look... 
they look interesting. They're kind of using the Link's Awakening vibe, like a more chibi art style as opposed to, um, you know, uh, the the Pokemon art okay, style. Okay, well, that from, is adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it looks interesting. It looks different from what other Pokemon games we played. It looks like they really did take the, I think the Diamond and Pearl would have been DS. So it looks like they've really taken that aesthetic from the, you know, 3DS and, and before times and kind of uprezzed it so you've got like these smaller stature characters walking around and um yeah it looks interesting but uh, the big news the big surprise was pokemon legends uh Ar- arceus which is a uh and jocelyn it's an open world pokemon adventure set in feudal japan kind of looks a lot like breath of the wild although you'll be happy to know i don't think your pokemon break randomly so <laughs> that's good because that would be annoying again it would be annoying and also probably again Peta would be calling um but it looks it looks interesting now mind you for a game that's supposed to be launching in early 2022 um for folks who have seen the trailer it looks early um do you remember those trailers we'd see for breath of the wild like pre-release like saying like oh here's the world and it's it's link running around in a in a much quieter area, like a much quieter sort of zone than we actually got. And then, yes, I know your criticisms. It was very quiet when it launched <laughs> Anyways, too. Anyways, everywhere, so, yeah. <laughs> it looked a lot like that. Very tech demo-y, very sort of proof of concept because it was these, it was your Pokemon trainer sort of walking through this big, vast open area. And all the Pokemon are sort of, they appear to be sort of out in the wild. You're, there's no, it doesn't appear to have random battles but you'll be kind of catching Pokemon, uh, not in the traditional way where you battle them, but more in a, what you would assume, like, you, you know, you're catching wild, wild animals, like in, in the real world, you're like you're sneaking up on them, you're, you're throwing your Pokeball. At I, I know that's not how it works in the real world, but um, it looks like, wait, Ryan, if you're catching Pokemon in the real world, we need to get you some I help. Mean, Pokemon Go. <laughs> I mean, we all know how it works. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you set a trap and you, you wait in the long grass and you throw you throw the Pokeball from your phone. And no, it, it looks really interesting. But again, like the trailer very much looked more proof of concept than Ooh, this game yeah, is coming this looks, out. I'm, I'm watching it right now and it looks really rough. Yeah. Like I fully expected them to say like late 2022, like sort of fall. And, and that I could believe another year, another two years of development for sure. But the fact that this is most like best case scenario getting another like a year and a bit it just i feel like they've got a, a while to go but well the the characters yeah. and the pokemon themselves look a lot better it's more so just the world that they're in right now looks very uh sketchy mm-hmm. and and both these games so diamond and pearl and legends this is a really interesting part is they're both based on the Sinnoh region. So the fact that you can become reacquainted to that region through the remix of Diamond and Pearl and then take that renewed and knowledge then jump into it. Yeah. yeah. Into legends. It's kind of an interesting approach and they really haven't changed like the mainline offering of Pokemon since its inception. And they've kind of just been like iterating from that point since red and blue. So the fact that they are completely like they're changing it, and saying this is a main, a new open world mainline Pokemon game, like this is kind of what people wanted. They wanted more of a they wanted a new take. I think that was the biggest mm-hmm. criticism of Sword and Shield is like you're offering us the same thing. You're not doing enough, and I think this is their answer to that. And yeah, I mean, it could deliver. It'd be a big deal. And I think 
you know, it's just, it screams Switch Pro. Like we, this, I could see this and Breath of the Wild 2 being a launch title for, for a Switch Pro. Like for an, for a next or a point five. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that it's been constantly rumored that Nintendo's doing something like along those lines. And yeah, the performance of, of the game, I know it's, you know, pre alpha and everything, but yeah, I think, I think new hardware would, would really allow those huge open worlds uh, to shine. So yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that's the case. Um, so speaking of open worlds, uh, we are going to talk, I, I talked a little bit off the top, but we are going to mention it here again, is that Anthem Next, which was going to be the, the update to Anthem to try to fix a lot of the problems has been canceled, but on the plus side, and here's where the open world part comes in, Dragon Age is now going to be single player only, which, <laughs> which is... is so exciting and what it should have been all along i'm so glad that ea is stepping back and not screwing with bioware anymore like <laughs> yeah there's there's been some interesting sort of ea stories lately uh where they've been i think their head chief has been talking about you know letting their developers fo- build the games they want to build and really empowering them to do what what their studios are are known to do and i think all of these stories about bioware you know giving them the resources to make what they say a legendary edition of the mass effect trilogy uh make it the way they want to and really treat it with the respect that a remaster deserves of that franchise and then looking at dragon age like dragon age inquisition was was really a it was a new experience. It had multiplayer, but it was very separate. And the idea was this Dragon Age was going to be more of a service game in sort of yeah, which nobody wanted. No, especially after Anthem. I think when Anthem came and went and possibly came back and then went again uh, for good this time, you could I, I no one was going to trust Dragon Age coming as a as a service game. You know, no one would even give it a chance because I think it's just it's not what people want from that franchise. Like if you. Well, and especially where, I mean, you had like mass effect things and the fourth installment of mass effect was not very well received. And then you had Anthem, which was this game as a service. And that wasn't very well received. And then you had dragon age coming out. That was going to be the fourth installment and a game as a service. And it's kind of like, okay, if your eyebrows weren't up over all of that, then they probably should have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good that Bioware is able to to have a single player focused Dragon Age game. I think that was obviously what made those games really special is that it was a, yeah. a story driven RPG. And I, I'm looking forward to getting back to that. I think this past generation um rather than making things bigger and and more spectacular they tried to make the game but also make some sort of social multiplayer you know sort of living world thing and it's just i don't know it doesn't work for everything well and not only does it not work for anything but the space is just so saturated like you guys probably noticed i didn't have much to talk about this week in terms of what we were actually playing and the the thing is what i'm playing is the same as what I'm always playing. I'm playing Dead by Daylight. I'm playing World of Warcraft. I'm playing Hearthstone. And those are all games as a service. And I just don't have room in my gaming life for 
any new games as a service, anything that I just play multiplayer over and over and over, same thing. Like that's not something that I have room for in my gaming life. What I can make room for is really cool single player experiences that take up a set amount of time and have a beginning and end. Like I also really want to get into ESO again. Like I'm getting super hyped about what they're doing in that world and I just can't find room for it because it's another game as a service and i just like <laughs> i have absolutely no interest in any of these things like if dragon age had launched as a game as a service i wouldn't have played it i would have been like nope thanks next bye and that's like i i think people are uh, like uh, developers and publishers are finally starting to realize that that is a very very saturated space and you can absolutely compete for it and i think competition is really really good but they need to realize that they need to be like really big and have a plan like they have to push people out of what they're comfy and used to, which is like the WoW versus ESO thing, right? Like I'm comfy and used to WoW and ESO is really cool, but I just can't like it's not cool enough to force me out of Warcraft. And like the, that's basically this this kind of competition space that people are in with these games as a service. And in a lot of cases, they're not even competing one to one like ESO and WoW do in the in the idea that they're both MMOs. Like, it's not even like I'm looking for a card game to push Hearthstone out of the way. It's like, no, I'm going to keep playing my asymmetrical competitive PvP horror game and my MMO and my card game. And you have to if you want to be a game as a service good enough to unseat one of those three maybe in their same genre maybe in a totally different one but you have to be that good or better to even get like the time of day and then these are also services that have already had their launches and that are now in kind of like maintenance slash upgrading slash expansion mode and you as a new game as a service are going to have to have like a game plan for the next year to be like, okay, we're coming out with this and this and this, and it's ready to go. And it's going to be mm -hmm. amazing. And blah, blah, blah. Like you can't just have a game when you're a game as a service, you have to have a plan yeah. <laughs> and not no, a lot true. of them have launched with enough of a plan, I think to unseat the incumbent and then also keep the attention in the long term and make it so that the incumbent can't do anything to unseat you back, you yeah. know? And and so I think people are starting to realize that. And especially like um, what's mentioned in this Eurogamer article that we're going to link in the show notes is um, the Star Wars game that was single player only and exceeded all expectations of that EA had for its sales. And I think that people are finally starting to realize, hey, we can actually sell a lot of copies and that's all we've got to do. We don't need to keep people coming back all the time over and over month over month and spending money. If we just do one big awesome experience because they're not going to pass on one big awesome experience with a start and an end. Like it's this kind of cool, um, almost like an equilibrium that I think game publishers are trying to find between like, these games as a service and games as a single player experience and we went way too far over to the games as a service and now i think we're course correcting back towards a single player experience and i don't think we're gonna go all the way to single player experiences i do think we're still gonna see a lot of games as a services coming coming out but i think we're moving to that kind of middle ground where we can 
make games as a service when it is warranted, but not every single game needs to be that. And I think people are starting to realize that there you can make money without always going that route. Yeah. I think uh, Sony last generation really leaned into these single player focused experiences with God of War and Spider-Man offering DLC expansions when necessary. Spider-Man had some. And of course, we got Miles Morales. And I think there's, you know, credit where credit's due, like build a great engine, build a great game and, and gamers will will flock to that content. And when you look at Dragon Age, it is a franchise that really found its fans in its single player open world rpg sort of experience you know dialogue wheels and choices and character recruitment and all that fun stuff and why mess with that when it works i mean that is the age-old ea question i think when you (laughs) when you look at star wars jedi fallen order i love that game and i'm not a huge star wars fan but i appreciate the franchise you know, I look at Battlefront 2. I played the campaign, but not much of the multiplayer. And the multiplayer, you know, for all for all I heard, was really good. Um, but Fallen Order, I really loved as a single player. I know I can go in, and I'm, I'm like you, like having a single player experience, I can go in, I know this thing ends, which is great, because I can play it for whatever, whether it's 20 hours or 50 hours. I know I'm going to hit an ending. And I know I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to enjoy the journey. And I think that's where you and I differ with games as a service. I cannot get into them because I know there's no end. I know they're going to add <laughs> something that just keeps it going. And it's like a it's like a never ending, you know, run. A never ending story. <laughs> if you, and if you have that time, great, of course. But you know, my experience is that like that time is 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 no longer there for me. And and I I would just much rather experience like a story, whether it's two hours or or 30 hours. And um, I'm glad that Bioware is able to do this. And and I mean, if Dragon Age, the next Dragon Age really does show that they've made this change. um, I have, I have faith that the next Mass Effect title will also see that because I think Andromeda really did fall into that hole of not necessarily like the multiplayer side of things, but more, we need to make this more like, the witcher and skyrim and not mass effect and i think they kind of lost track of of that aspect of it um but uh yeah until these games come out until we have reviews like really this is just hey we heard that ea is is now letting bioware be bioware but bioware hasn't just like blizzard bioware hasn't been bioware for years you know a lot of the people that made these original games we're we're trying we're chasing they're no longer there and it's same with blizzard like a lot of those people who made the games we loved back in the day are no longer there and uh, i think blizzard's still doing a better job at sort of keeping their franchises uh, at least the ones that are successful sort of going but uh, ea and bioware have never they haven't done that in a while so uh yeah i i was always looking forward to dragon age but um i think now i'm less worried because i didn't even know it was going to be multiplayer like what no this is good that you've changed that but uh it's weird that i didn't i know knew nothing of this until you know anthem with dragons that sounds bad especially with anthem and that's like the description terrible (laughs) don't do that (laughs) which i think somebody finally realized it which was great but do you know what doesn't sound terrible uh superman i don't know what are we talking about (laughs) 
yeah, actually freaking nailed it. Uh, Henry Cavill doing anything else that is video game related, because honestly, like, I am really glad that he got that Superman role. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show or not, but um, he used to be in this Henry VIII show that I really, really enjoyed as well. He wasn't Henry VIII. He was like a side character. Um, he was basically like the king's best friend. Uh, anyways, I really loved him in that. I thought he did a great job. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's Superman. And it seems like everything kind of like just exploded from there, which I'm so happy for this guy because I think he's a great actor. And not only is he in The Witcher, which has done amazing, but now he is teasing what looks like some sort of Mass Effect adaptation. We have no idea if this is a movie or a TV show or what. It was basically just him sitting there and a blurry script in the foreground, which, um, yeah, the internet did internet things and found all kinds of Mass Effect uh, names and references. So, I mean, like... There's a lot of words that could be in a lot of scripts, but Tally Zora, that's pretty specific. So if we're going to get Henry Cavill in anything Mass Effect, I am so here for it, Ryan. I could not be more here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I figured uh, when I, I, I posted this in our producer channel and, and you had reacted pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> With just a droll face. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I have I have no qualms with that reaction and i i think he was great as the witcher and i think he's great as superman and he would make a great garris uh so i think that would be fantastic just to see oh him. my god if they cover him up in garris makeup <laughs> i would be so sad but just think <laughs> but seriously like he could he could have like any role he could play tally zora and i'd be down for it <laughs> yeah yeah or reaper or he just voices all the characters yeah just I, everything i just want henry cavill reaper, is the... mass effect Oh no, he can voice the Reapers too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, the the interesting part about about this is, uh, and again, like a lot of people are saying, like you know, he's got a publicist that does this stuff, so they know that the internet is going to go, you know, goo goo for All this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and and a lot of people. This article that we'll link to, the Game Informer article, basically says like a lot of these words are featured in the intro paragraph to Mass Effect 3's Wikipedia page. And again, this, yeah. <laughs> this could be teasing a Mass Effect project with Henry Cavill. I fully believe that to be the case. Like, I think that's the number one marketing tool that these, you know, production companies have in their hands is these, me you know, social media savvy actors that just have yeah. swaths of, of people fallen don't even look at his his comment the comments on it are all like it's just all these people going you know gaga for for uh for cavill but uh it's it's one of those things where he he probably knew people were going to decipher it he probably got permission to post this like i don't think he's in trouble yeah. this isn't like a you know tom this holland tom holland situation <laughs> Yeah, circa, you know, Tom Holland doesn't leak stuff on purpose anymore. He did do it, of course. Like, back in the day, he made those mistakes, and, and now it's just all a joke. I don't know if you now saw it. Now it's like, a joke, yeah. It's a joke, and they use it, again, they use it in their marketing. They, they use did it, it as a, uh, yeah, as a so, promo, yep. So in this case, like, I joke, like, I, I if if this is going to be a movie, I know it's been in development hell for a while. He would he would make an excellent shepherd um i joked that he could play garris and then they'd have fem shep as the main character i i really don't think they'd do that like i don't think they will do a a fem shep uh version of mass effect as unfortunate as that would be but um henry cavill would make a great shepherd like he's got that he kind of fits um 
all those personality, you know, quirks. Like he can get angry, he can get paragon, he can get renegade. You know, he can be funny, like awkwardly funny, which I think Shepard was always awkwardly funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh man, we could see him dance like Shepard. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, I was in anyway, but now I'm super in. Yeah. But yeah, so so that's coming at some point. Maybe again, it's a, it's a super secret internet teasy thing. So we'll have to keep our eyes open. But uh, yeah, definitely down for that. I am also down for emails from our listeners. If you guys want to email the show, you can do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com or you can hit us up in the Discord, which is bit.ly slash faz, or not faz Discord. <laughs> you, can go there too. you should also go to bit.ly slash faz Discord if you like talking about Warcraft, but uh, bit.ly slash TGI Discord is where you can find us. Um, and Gabe found us to give us some thoughts on our medium spoiler segment. So you guys, um, if you have not played the medium, if you're staying away from spoilers, then skip this email bit. You can just follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, Joss plays Ryan is our Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in. But if you want to talk more medium spoilers, stay with us right now. So Ryan, what does Gabe have to say about the medium? Yes. So listener Gabe sent an email in and he provided a whole bunch of extra context for stuff I either missed uh, while playing the game or missed just while trying to sort of wrap up the whole <laughs> story. Trying to wrap up the entire thing in a podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, so he I kind of pulled some parts from his email, uh, but he had some thoughts on on sort of our spoiler segment. Um, and, uh, so starting things off, like Gabe felt that like the game could have been a bit more heavy handed in his world building. It was kind of very light in the way it kind of presented the facts of how the world worked. Uh, it's not immediately obvious how souls and ghosts work. They kind of just are presented, you know, within the game, like our characters familiar with how ghosts and souls work, but re- they really aren't explained in, um, you know, very upfront detail to to the player. Yeah. And I think that was part of what was confusing to me is because the first one you meet is the guy who ran the funeral home, right? Who was mm-hmm. your like surrogate dad. And he appeared like as himself as he was when he died. And that was just like, that's all the kind of world building that they really did with souls before you're thrown into the part of the game that's a mystery so all of the like setting the stage is done with the jack ghost and she doesn't do any kind of exposition there she just kind of says like oh yeah i guess i'm gonna have to do this thing that i've done all my life but this time it's for jack and that's harder for me because emotions and then you get thrown right into the mystery part and it's a you're just like I haven't really been given enough tools in order to understand and solve the mystery being presented to me. Yeah. And I don't know if I included it, but um, some, you know, uh, Gabe had also said like, maybe they didn't go into super detail with a lot of that stuff because it would have kind of brought forward a lot of like, there's a lot of traumatic stuff in the game that Mm. is kind of brushed over and to kind of bring that to the forward might've made the game less appealing to a larger audience. So they kind of just leave it in the background and allow you to kind of pick away at it and, and discover it for yourself. Um, which like, I will say too, I'm not, uh, I don't know when not just games, but like movies and TV and whatever, when any sort of medium tries to, kind of dive into some of those 
deeper topics and potentially traumatizing topics, I feel like I would rather they just do it explicitly instead of like letting my mind run wild into those places, if that makes sense. It's like, tell me what you're getting at so that I don't have to go places that maybe I don't want to. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. I think. Yeah. uh, So I I would rather that they instead of just like hinting at stuff like that, I'd rather they just be like, okay, here's what happened. This is what we're going to talk about. Like, I want it to just be straightforward. Yeah, I think there is stuff in this in the medium that uh, if they had been a little more forward with it, you would have there would have been moments where your brain doesn't like immediately go to the to the darkest you know corners of 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 humanity yeah and i mean like honestly like i never went back to finish this game because of the stuff that you told me in Hmm. our spoiler segment i was just like okay i officially have no interest in playing through that there there just are some themes that really um really bother me mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh whenever they're covered in media i have a really hard time like moving through them and moving past them so i just remove myself from the situation and this sounds like it was one of them and again when things can be straight up front with me about like this is an event that happened you don't have to show me just tell me what you're talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> basically like, but yeah, there are some things that will just put me right off of a of a piece of entertainment. And yeah, stuff you talked about with Medium is definitely in that category. <laughs> yeah, it, it has it has those moments. Um, the way, you know, Gabe sort of understood it and explained it with how goal, uh, souls and, and souls ghosts work, work yep. is, um, you know, when someone dies, their soul is left to finish any last you know, uh, complications. So for Jack at the beginning, it's easy because he lived a clean life. Um, he just kind of, he, he didn't have any demons. He just kind of, uh, he did good in the world. And you know, that, I think that's makes the most sense at the beginning is that Marianne basically says like, it's okay to go. It's okay to rest. And she ha- helps him move on. Um, but for people who suffer trauma, their soul becomes stuck in the age that they were traumatized and a monster is born inside the person adjacent to the soul. And you saw that in the game with uh, all the characters that you sort of experience after Jack. So um, right. your, your sister Lily has the maw. Uh, Richard had a monster, like this weird sort of weird feely tentacle monster. And Henry, the, the Soviet agent, had some sort of aggressive uh monster that was that was haunting or chasing you through those levels and um they do get into they do they do strongly suggest like a lot of the traumatizing moments that happen and you do you get those you know that you get that exposition there as you move through the levels um some other stuff that uh gabe had had sort of noted is that sadness leads you to the day room and this is very early on in the game and um you you get that objective to go to the day room pretty much as soon as you get to the as soon as you meet sadness but there is a lot of like stuff in between the first introduction to go into the day room and actually making it there so in the day room you get the flashback of thomas your father finding out richard did something terrible to his daughter lily uh you think he's going to kill richard that's sort of the setup he's he's in his house he's sort of uh, setting things up he's got a gun he's got you know murder gloves and all that um and uh <laughs> i mean who doesn't have a 
have a good set of murder gloves. I mean, uh, yeah. Do you think they sell them like that? Like no. Just murder gloves? I don't think they do. I think that would be a problem. There'd be many issues with that sales description. Um, but he was definitely wearing murder gloves. I just, oh my God. So so what? <laughs> if they had on the packaging, like, no. celebrity endorsement. OJ Simpson approved. You just got to make sure they sorry, don't fit sorry. so that you can Continue. be a quit. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that was a flashback. Um, okay, yeah. And, and instead he goes, so instead, you know, you think he's going to kill Richard, but instead he goes into Richard's psyche and sees his past trauma. So you get to experience why Richard is this broken person. Uh, he finds this big, as Gabe describes it, handsy monster who has Richard's uh, child self trapped. So you see you know, uh, his soul, which is a, a child and, and Richard's this older gentleman. Uh, and, uh, basically he was traumatized as a child. This created the monster trapped his soul at that age. Um, Thomas is, you know, rips so off like his Richard, mask. Richard basically has like his own ma. Yeah. Kind of. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. He, you, you do quickly deal with that monster. Essentially the monster, you know, asks you to, uh, Send him along. So basically what, what Thomas can do, his power is to rip people's souls apart. So he, once he discovers this trauma, he takes Richard's soul and, and rips uh, the mask off the soul. So the only way you're able to send uh, Richard along is to find, to repair his soul and then also send the monster. The monster wants to be sent away as well because he's been trapped in this sort of form um, since Thomas kind of crippled him. Uh, and, and that's why, um, so we now know who's ripping the souls apart. So there's a lot of people, you know, there's in the midsection of the game, you're trying to like repair these people's souls. So you realize there's some weirdness there. Like we, you know, Gabe and I kind of went back and forth. It was like, okay, like who's ripping these souls apart? Did Thomas just go in and basically rip everyone's soul apart? We couldn't really tell, I, we couldn't really understand why those souls would be ripping apart, whether it was the Maw or whether it was Thomas and why Thomas would do that. Cause Thomas didn't, it made Thomas seem out to be a, a much darker character, a much worse person. If he's just going in and like, you know, tearing people's innocent people's souls apart just to stop the Maw from, from wrecking havoc. But uh, we couldn't really figure that out. But you know, when Thomas does rip apart a soul, it, it does leave that person in a vegetative state, which is what happened to Richard and, and that is sort of explained in the game. But um, sort of wrapping up our notes here, the Maw is created in Lily due to the trauma she experienced at the hands of Richard. So that explains where the Maw comes from and, and the Maw's connection to your sister Lily. And also Sadness is definitely Lily, who is definitely your sister. Again, harder to understand that in the moment because Lily was your older sister. So technically her soul would have been older. But if she was traumatized as a child, her soul is trapped as a child and that's why you're experiencing right. uh sadness um and then he goes on to say i think it's safe to assume as well that lily's monster escaping her psyche like leaving lily's mind i guess right let her child soul escape because again throughout this game marianne she is tethered to her soul and when she tries to escape from or, or tries to lead away just the soul to do interactive stuff in the game, there is this time limit. However, everybody else who has this soul power can be separated. Thomas is separated from his soul self on occasion. Um, Lily is separated from her 
uh, soul cell through the whole game because you're interacting with Sadness, right. who is Lily, and um, the Maw is also escaped. So there's there's a lot. None of that is like explicitly explained. You kind of have to piece it together. Yeah, there's a whole lot of rules <laughs> that aren't really yeah. Yeah, so it's like that, why do you have a tether if nobody else does? And even though you're supposed to be this super powerful, like trained your whole life at the at the uh, morgue where mm -hmm. you lived, right? Like it's very uh, again, and maybe it's because I never made it all the way to the end. But it seems like there's a lot of like eighty percent fleshed out stories and ideas here, but it could have maybe used another pass and maybe i don't know some extra playtime, uh, some more exposition i don't i don't really know but it seems like gabe's probably got it right hmm. but uh i mean you played through the whole thing and and missed some of this stuff right like even the fact that like the the sadness who leads you around may or may not have been your sister like that feels like a plot point that really should have like I don't know, like sadness at the end should have walked into Lily or something. I don't know. It just it was weird. Yeah, they um, they don't really. And also, all of this with how Gabe has uh, written in and told us how he believes that souls and ghosts and stuff in the world work makes a lot of sense based on what you had said in the spoiler segment. But then at the same time, makes absolutely no sense with how the game ended. <laughs> like, yeah, we didn't really talk about the ending because it's just. Yeah. It's what not... the heck did Lily's monster have to do with your head and why did you have to blow it off? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think the idea there is is that, you know, the Maw needed a suitable vessel to to be able to leave. So essentially the idea was thomas ripping apart all the souls at the resort was so that nobody could leave the resort so the maw couldn't leave the resort it was it was trapped there and you see that with some corpses you discover along the way that have been kind of rotted from the inside and there's a deer you discover so the idea is maybe the maw escaped the the red house by going into this deer and getting to the next vessel and so on and so forth so uh it there's a lot of mystery to the game and i think um i'm i for one am, am more interested in mystery that is um not necessarily plainly laid out for you in a dun 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 moment but more just explained in a way that is uh is easier to piece together as opposed to going to find out all the things that happened at the end of the medium yeah i guess i like to by the end i like to know the answer mm -hmm. and i don't like there to be a lot of weird um unanswered questions i guess like some some mystery remaining is okay and i think you know having an ending that's a little bit ambiguous i think that's okay as well as long as i'm able to understand everything that you've told me up until that point and then if you want to like black screen it or whatever cool that's your creative choice you know let the let the viewer let the the gamer kind of come to their own conclusions about how it ended that's i think fine um as long as you know you explain yourself <laughs> leading up to that kind of moment so that you so that the person who's consuming your content can make up their own mind right and and can fill in those blanks in a way that that works for them so I don't know, but I'm glad uh, Gabe thought to write in and kind of help us piece this story together a little bit more. I think a lot of what he said made a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, again, if you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at infogamersandpodcast.com or 
hit us up in Discord, bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Or you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn Joss Plays, Ryan Dizadar Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>